Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. We are so glad that you're here. I know we've got several visitors in the audience and, and we welcome you. We hope we'll get to know you better before uh, you leave after the services today. We'd really like for you to continue to come back and worship with us. I know we have several that may be joining us on social media and we welcome you as well. There is a friendship register on each row. We would like to get a record of everyone's attendance. Would you take that friendship register and start passing it down the row for, we'd like for all of you to fill that out, even including people in the balcony. There are some changes in our morning worship schedule, at least who's gonna be involved. Let me just cover that with you. Brother Jeremy Jones will be leading our singing. Brother Stephen Cooper has our opening prayer. Brother Drew Galloway, the scripture reading. Uh, Ken Forrest will have the lesson. Bo Gross will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper and Randy Moore will have closing announcements and closing prayer. Would you bow with me please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can enjoy the blessings of this new day and the opportunity that we have to worship thee. We pray, Father, that you would accept our songs of praise, our prayers, uh, our study of your word, our observance of the Lord's Supper and our sacrificial giving this morning. You are so good to us and we love you. We pray that you'd help us to show your love to those around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our song this morning will be number 421, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. Let's sing together. There's a sweet, sweet spirit
The scripture this morning, reading this morning will be taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, I believe, with New King James is on the screen. Paul writes, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't, hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks ask for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Thank you, Chris. Good morning, everyone. Did you see those balloons out there in the foyer? Those are the remnants of Girls' Day from yesterday. Now, I'm just going to tell you, got that picture of this entire area here covered with those balloons. So I wore these colors thinking I was going to be, you know, surrounded by all those balloons today. Maybe somebody got word that I had planned maybe carry a pin with me. And when I see somebody kind of fading, I pop one of those and... Those are the remnants, but there are other remnants. The remnants that are left in the hearts of those people who came and participated in our girls' day. I, I don't know, maybe there are other churches that have girls' day. I, I don't know, but this was a new one for me. And what's exciting about it is that our young girls wanted to have this day. And they went through the proper channels to get that thing to become a reality. So I'm just, I'm so excited that it happened, but more excited about how it happened. And I will tell you this, whether it's our young ladies or whomever, you have a vision, you have an idea of some way that you can bless this congregation don't let anybody stifle your enthusiasm. You'd be fired up about it and uh, present that to our leadership. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be fired up about it too. Uh, also, kind of along those same lines. So we've got young people in this congregation that are not waiting until their place in line. You know what I mean? Old people, then it comes down to the middle age and then the younger and on down and we kind of have a pecking order. So our young people are like, you know what? I'm not waiting on the pecking order. I want to be an active participant in what, in what happens with this congregation. So there you go with the young ladies getting behind and pushing this girls' day. And what a great success I hear it was. And now I get this. So you may have noticed along with the beautiful array of balloons that are out there in the foyer that should have been here that I could pop today. We also have, there's a big blue barrel out there in the foyer. So here's, here's the story behind that. Sullivan Long, along with 
the rest of the four amigos, which are Hayes, Parson, Hunter Timms, and Luke Jones, they put that barrel out there in the foyer. You see, they noticed as school started that there were some kids at school that didn't have snacks like they had, or they imagined maybe home life isn't that great, and they're going to leave here. Maybe they got a school lunch, maybe they didn't, but when they get home, what are they going to have? So these guys, fourth grade, by the way, got together and said, hey, you know what, I, th I think we could do something about that. So they are collecting individually wrapped snacks. That would be snack cakes, nabs, crackers, etc., as well as bottled drinks and pouch drinks for their school, Anderson Elementary. These are going to be distributed to the children at their school who might have missed their snacks for school or may need a little extra snack sent home. So that barrel is going to be out there in the foyer for a couple of weeks. You can drop your donation in there. And if you don't want to bring the items, but you'd like to contribute money to help the boys, they'd be more than happy to go and purchase those items. You can see Wendy Long. So don't worry. Don't hand your money to Sullivan. <laughs> hand it to Wendy. Isn't that wonderful? I just love it. So, hey, let's, let's do our part. Let's help these guys have a successful effort and let's fill those things up to overflowing, okay? Let's please do that. Now, you know how I feel about prayer and the importance of it. And a lot of times if it were up to me, I'd start a Bible class. I, I would spend the whole Bible class just praying. I believe in the power of prayer. Well, I, people have prayer requests. They would like us this morning before we begin our worship in the meditation of God's word to be praying about. The first of these is regarding Joey Jameson. Now that for some people in this congregation have a history here, that's an infamous sort of name. There are events in the past that he was a party to that hurt a lot of people. Perhaps no one more than Abby, who's a member here today, and her family. So Joey has been estranged from the church and in some ways his family because of decisions that he made in the past. Well, you know how it is sometimes, especially when something's hurtful like that and affects somebody that we love who's active in the church. This isn't right, but it happens anyway. That is... We just give up on that person. We say, they hurt us too bad. This has gone on too long. We're moving on. And if they ever come to their senses, we'll deal with that then. Well, Joey and Abby uh, were in Del Kendrick's Bible class, oh, so many years ago. And these events happened during that period of time, and Dale never gave up on Joey. Here's a soul that needs to be reclaimed. Well, years have passed, no repentance. He's become ill with a lot of health issues. Dale's been having breakfasts with him, partly to keep contact, but, you know, always in the background. 
hoping that his encouragement and honestly just his honesty would result in some kind of move in a positive direction. Well, yesterday, Dale and Joey had a one and a half hour long breakfast. (laughs) Wouldn't you love one of those? An hour and a half. But they weren't eating the whole time, of course. They were talking about Joey's soul. Joey, along with his health problems, is having major surgery this week. Could go any number of ways. But sometimes those things get you to thinking. And so after this lengthy conversation and serious contemplation, Joey determined that, you know what? He's been wrong in sin and needed to repent. And so in breakfast, Joey and Dale had a prayer in that regard. Well, this has affected a lot of people. And Joey has been on and off attending the West Main Church. So today, Joey is making his public confession about sin at the West Main Church in Tupelo. But seeing that the impact of his decisions and I think return to the Lord forgiveness of sin is also affecting us too. And so today, Joey, uh, I guess I'm his proxy, is asking for your forgiveness. And, you know, I'm just assuming, I don't know everybody's heart, but I'm assuming you'd be like me. I don't care how long we've been away from the Lord. I don't care what the circumstances were. When you come to your senses and you want to return home, the Father comes running to you. So the Father was way ahead of us, but we're not going to be that elder son, are we? Who sits back home and is grumbling about how could this be or, or whatever. I don't know about you, but I don't carry that kind of baggage around with me. When someone responds, I respond too, and I forgive. So we're going to pray for Joey here in a moment. And I think I am. We're going to rejoice with the angels in heaven. Also in that prayer, we're going to be praying for Chopper and Brenda Taylor's grandson's girlfriend. Danielle Leatherwood found her three-week-old baby dead yesterday. Roy Benson, who is visiting with us. Raise your hand, Roy. Roy's sitting kind of toward the back there. They've been visiting with us for several services now, but his Aunt Levita is going into very serious surgery tomorrow. He'd like us to pray for her. Got news from Larry Morgan. Larry's arrived home. He came home late yesterday. He's going to be recovering at home for several days, but he's looking forward to being back in worship with all of us. And so glad. Look forward to seeing him back here. And if you were venturing your site down this way, you might have noticed that the Mormons are not here. Well, Luther has COVID. And he has a pretty serious case of it. It's been very sick. So we want to remember them too. There might be a lot of others, but you just remember them in the prayer too, okay? As we go forward this morning. And uh, you know... 
my practice. I'm going to stand before you and present God's word, but I'm humbled by that. And so I'm going to pray that God's going to help me a lot. Help me to present it in a way that represents truly what he wants us to know. And you can understand. And then secondly, pray for you. So that even if I fail, that you won't. You'll get what God wants you to have today. I pray it's, I pray it's powerful for you. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, today we rejoice. We're so excited about the events of the weekend. We're thankful that our girls were able to see the event that they envisioned come to pass and be such a great success. We pray for many more successes. Thank you for their faith. We pray for Sullivan, Hayes, Hunter, and Luke as they have come together in this effort to help their schoolmates. We pray, Father, that you will bless them in their faith, too, that their vision to help their friends will be realized. And just thank you for the passion. And our young people, pray, Lord, that this church will be that passionate about the things that we're involved in. Help us, as has been said so many times before, maybe even our theme, that we just keep the main thing the main thing always. Thank you for that focus. We pray for Joey today. I know he's facing surgery, but Lord, more than that, he has had a spiritual transformation. We pray, Father, that the commitment that he has made to leave the past behind in repentance for wrong done and to reach forward to make better choices to make right the wrongs that have occurred. I pray, Lord, you'll give him the mind, the, the wherewithal, the heart to be able to accomplish that. And I pray, Father, that those who have been wronged by joy will see this as a time to celebrate, rejoice, and to welcome a sinner who has been forgiven back into the family. And thank you, Father, for Dale's a persistence in love for his friend. We pray, Father, for all these others who are sick. We pray for Danielle and the loss of her baby. We pray for Levita, who's to have surgery. We pray for Larry Morgan in his recovery. We pray for the Mormons in their sickness. Father, we thank you for hearing us and for the good that you'll accomplish in all these things. We pray now, Father, that you will bless us as we are studying your word together. I pray, Lord, that your word will be effective in touching our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to appreciate to a great degree the power and the wisdom that you have that's manifested in your son, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to communicate that in a simple, understandable sort of way to tap the idea of prophecy and planning and purpose. And I pray for those who hear these words that they will make good sense of it and good use despite any unforeseen obstacles that I, that I might myself plant in the way. Forgive me of that, but help me as much as I can to get out of the way of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God, stronger than men. Eternal life. Oh, it is. It is wonderful. It is glorious. Eternal life that is made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who offered himself, died on the cross, and then overcame, defeated death itself. And by virtue of his having conquered death, makes also possible our conquering death and our eternal life. So for him, wonderful and glorious, and for us, the prospect of eternal life, also wonderful and glorious. The Apostle Paul couldn't stop talking about these very things. In fact, a little bit later, next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In the conclusion of the book, in chapter 15, at verse 3, he says, I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was crucified for us. By virtue of that truth, it seems to me that this whole idea of crucifixion and dying and the business of the cross as it basically becomes the symbol of Jesus' death and suffering and sacrifice. And I guess when we see it, we think of all the things that are wrapped up in that. By virtue of that, the matter of the cross is an essential topic when you speak about Christianity. But why exactly is it so essential? I want to talk about the things that I mentioned in our prayer that God would help us with. We're going to talk about prophecy. We're going to talk about planning. We're going to talk about purpose as it is related to the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's talk first about prophecy as it actually makes the cross essential to Christianity. Prophecy. Okay, let's look at something that Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Jesus says that... The testimony that was given in the Old Testament scriptures. And then he identifies those areas that he is specifically referring to. The law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. He said, these all are testifying of me. They prophesy regarding me. 
But he says, these are all things that are to be fulfilled. Well, that's the thing about prophecy, yes. Oftentimes we talk about prophecy in terms of what it was going to express from the mind and the heart of God. Sometimes that was an immediate application. And then other times it is foretelling events to come. A, a lot about what is related to Jesus is wrapped up in both ideas, both what is and what is to come. That was true throughout all of history. Anticipation of the coming Christ, the Savior of men, the Lamb of God that John referred to in John chapter 1, verse 29, who takes away the sin of the world. He's going to do that. So all throughout history, even from the very beginning, in the curse that is planted against Adam and Eve to Eve is anticipation of what will come that's going to overcome the, the rule and the dominion of Satan that had begun right there in that garden. When Abraham, the father of the faithful, comes along, there is a reasserting of the fact that things are going to be made right. And it's going to come through the seed, promise made both to Abraham and then to that seed that we find out in Galatians 3 is actually Jesus Christ. All throughout history, through the law of Moses, through the prophets in anticipation, the Psalms in glorification, all of it speaking to what would be. And Jesus said these are things that they have to be fulfilled. I mean, these are, these are the moments, these are the realities that make this thing about eternal life, real. You can anticipate it, but until you have it secured, well, Jesus is going to make it secure. Jesus saw himself, both the life that he was living and then the death that was coming, in terms of the prophecies of Old Testament Scripture. In fact, it's interesting that he says in Luke chapter 22 at verse 37, and this, by the way, is right there in the midst of the memorial supper. You know, the Lord's Supper is being instituted here, but in the midst of, of all of this, Jesus is talking about Old Testament prophecies. And he says, these are things, the writings, which, and watch this word now, must be accomplished. Okay, Jesus says, we're living right now in the midst of the fulfilling of prophecies. But I'm telling you that what is happening, these are things that must happen. And I don't think Jesus is saying, now, I'm keeping a little book right here. And, you know, I kind of scoured the Old Testament scriptures and noted all the things that I was supposed to do. So I've just kind of been going along checking those off to make sure that not that. God doesn't see time like we do. God could see the beginning just right there parallel with the crucifixion of Jesus, just as he could see that parallel with the events that are taking place in this moment. God is in every moment. God says, I am that I am. The perception of that was kind of a, a nebulous sort of meaning, whatever could that be. But the concept is that whenever now is, God is. So when an event was occurring, God was in it. So the events and the satisfaction of prophecy, prophecy was contingent upon events that were going to occur. And Jesus says, well, these are going to occur. And as they occur, we're seeing the unfolding, the fulfillment of prophecy. These things have to happen. You can protest if you want to, but they're unfolding. I'm just, 
I'm just the embodiment of all that had come before. It is, it is a condition that, like he said, must occur. No exception. It's a reality. And so as these things were unfolding, people were experiencing and not really sure about what they were seeing. So in the beginning, it's very little response that's positive. Most of it's very negative because what they were getting is not what they were expecting. However, it was the Apostle Paul who said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 that these things were happening according to the Scriptures. In other words, these were anticipated in the sense that now you can reflect back and say, right there, there's the Scripture for that. But people in the moment weren't seeing it. And because of that, like what our text says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23 that for the Jews, it was... Now, my translation says that it was a stumbling block. In the original language, the Greek word is scandalon. Does that ring a bell? It, it, we could translate it with the English word scandal. To talk about the Messiah who is supposed to be the deliverer of Israel, they're thinking a military deliverer, so they're on the wrong plane altogether. But he is a spiritual deliverer. Their idea of the deliverer was, you know, a combatant, somebody that was strong and powerful. So when you come here talking about him being nailed to a cross and dying that way, dying like a lamb that was slaughtered. Don't you know that the lamb was the very image of iniquity? That, that was the thing that we transferred, as it were, our sin to. So you're telling us that our Savior is actually sin nailed on a cross? To them, that idea was a scandal. In fact, when Jesus started talking about being crucified or going away from his apostles, it was Peter, and you would expect it to be Peter, I guess. It was Peter who in Acts chapter 8 and verse 32 literally actually rebuked Jesus. What? Don't you know you're the student, I'm the master, I'm the teacher here? Peter just will not have it. So he rebukes Jesus. These were things that were hard to conceive Hard to perceive in the mind that's already been conditioned to think another way. But isn't that how God does it? In Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. It's pretty easy for us. In fact, volumes have been written about the fulfillment of Scripture in the life of Jesus. But for those who were in the moment, it was a difficult thing to grasp. So prophecy, when you talk about the cross, no doubt about it, that was, that was essential to Christianity, the prophecy part of it, just grasping the sense of it. But so is the idea of planning. Planning. Okay, so when the church was talking about these things, 
like Paul was doing. He's writing to these churches to say, we preach Christ crucified. So I'm here in the church. I'm, I'm preaching Christ to you. Okay, got it. Go to all these churches, go into these synagogues of the Jews, preaching about Jesus and him crucified. Got it. We're preaching the cross. For the church, that was the thing. That's, that's the plan. Going to preach that. But what about Jesus? Was Jesus a party to all that? I mean, you'd think he's there at the ground floor, right? Surely there's some glimpse of all that in Jesus. And absolutely, yes. In fact, as Peter was reflecting back on it, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 16, he says, For we didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He is saying, look, this is all in accordance with God's planning. This, this is God's thing. Peter says all that we did was observe what was happening. And now I can, along with these others, testify to the reality of it. The prophecy was made. Jesus fulfilled it. We saw it. We saw it happen right there before our eyes. It wasn't our interpretation of these events. We're just sharing with you what it is that we saw and we experienced. When Paul was writing to the Romans, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and following, he says, you know, the anticipation of the Son of God, maybe, maybe that for the Jews was a struggle, but boy, we... We rejoice in the fact that Jesus came. That when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that is a rejoicing in the fact that he did die. You say, well, you know, I have a lot of mixed emotions about that. Here's a reality for you. If Jesus didn't die, you're still in your sin. However that transpired, even by the abusive nature of those who participated in it. Acts chapter 2 verse 23 speaks quite frankly to the event and then what happened. Yeah, it was according to the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God that these things happened, but you are also responsible, he said, and that you took him with lawless hands, you crucified the Son of God. I mean, you are culpable, but this was God's plan. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, uh, Jesus says, Well, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. He made it clear they were his friends, but... By extension, that, that becomes all of us, right? Romans 5, verse 6 and following. And then 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. He just simply laid down his life for 
us. Jesus did that. Jesus did that intentionally, knowingly. How many times Jesus would say through the book of John that is chronicling the most impactful of Jesus' miracles, how many times does Jesus make the point, hey, it's not time yet, it's not time yet, hold on, not time yet, not time. John chapter 17, verse 1, Father, the time is here. It's time. It's time, time for what? The anticipation. That which was anticipated now is becoming a reality. Jesus is going to die. He is going to die on that cross. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 27, 28, again, in the midst of the, the, the Lord's Supper, the instituting of that, that moment where he brings his disciples together and talks about this sacrifice that's about to happen, he takes the cup and he gives thanks for it and he gives it to them and he says, take Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Okay, just simply question, did Jesus know about this? Was it part of the plan? Yes. He expected it to happen. It's been prophesied. God lives in the moment. So this isn't something we're opting out of. It's going to be a reality. doesn't mean that I don't struggle with it or I don't have questions about it. But the reality is this is happening and I'm a party to it. And now's the time. I'm ready. And then even to the extent that on the cross, when all had been accomplished and every prophecy had been fulfilled, Jesus could say, and with every bit of confidence from all time, it is finished. So that brings us, if you got the prophecy aspect of it, it's anticipated. You got the planning, Jesus in, in the midst of it and is actually working it. Then we get to the purpose of it. The purpose of the cross is what is so beautiful. The purpose of it just simply stated is to save us from our sins. But here's what I want to lay on you today. And it's this. If, if God went to all this trouble and he even sent his son to be in the midst of it, to fulfill it, and to be the sacrifice, all, all that had happened in all time, from the very beginning, all those promises that were made, being fulfilled, and then Jesus dies, and he is resurrected from the grave. And the church is established. Everything's put into place for our salvation. So that as we began today, that we could have eternal life. And it'd be, it'd be wonderful and glorious. God does all of that. But I reject it. Then that means that all that happened, as beautiful a story as it is, for me personally is nothing. If I reject it, it's like to me, I don't care. That to me is nothing. You heard the story of the nightingale and the rose. Oliver Wilde wrote this story. It's a story about this young student. 
I think he was studying philosophy. But he is rushing around his garden looking for a red rose. And he is frantic about it. He is so in love. But in order to express his love, he needs this rose. He just has in mind that's the symbol to give. And as he's looking for that, the nightingale takes notice of that. And the nightingale had never seen anybody so overtaken with love and the desire to express that love. And what a beautiful sentiment, she thought, to, to do it in the form of a red rose. Oh, I just love this student, the nightingale said. And come to find out, the student was running around there looking for this rose because there was going to be... In this story, there was going to be this formal dance, and he was going to invite this girl that he just, oh, he's just so infatuated with. If he just had the red rose, he'd, in his mind, he'd present that to her, and then she would fall in love with him as much as he is in love with her, and this happily ever after, oh, I'm so excited, but no red rose, and that poor little nightingale, when she heard that, as much as she loved the student, she loved love that much more. And she was just whatever it takes. We're going to find you a red rose. So the student's pining away and all the little animals that are there in the garden are laughing at the young man at his silly notions about love. And you just, you know, look at you just blubbering along and what, what an embarrassment. But not the nightingale. The nightingale was like, wow, this is just so amazing how much he loves her. We have got to have a rose. And so the young man, he's pining away all day. Finally, he goes to sleep. And as he's going to sleep, the little nightingale has been running around asking all the rose bushes, where are the red roses? Well, the winter was really rough this past year. Hey, we've got yellow, we've got pink, and we've got white, but there will be no red roses this year. Oh, no, oh, no, what can we do? What can we do? I'll tell you what I'll do. I will sing the most beautiful song that I've ever sung in my entire life. If you will just give me a red rose. They said, you don't understand. We can't do it. So she goes to the rose bush that is under the window of the student. That rose bush in years past had had red roses. Will you please produce a red rose by morning? Can't do it. Well, I could do it, but uh, it exacts a too great price. Yeah, sorry. Wait, what'd you say? I would do anything for love. Well, <clears throat> in the moonlight... If you will sing that most beautiful song and press your breast against one of my thorns, then I will extract the blood from your body and produce a red rose. And the nightingale thought, what is a little bird compared to the love of a man? I will make this great sacrifice. So all night she is pressed against the thorn. All night she sings her song. She gives her attention to the oak tree that is standing vigil by. And she gives every ounce of her life in order to produce what becomes the most incredibly beautiful blossom. In the morning, the nightingale was dead. 
But the young student looked out his window and behold, the most beautiful rose he'd ever seen in his life. Oh, joy, I will take that rose and I will present it to my, my loved one and she will just, oh. And so he cuts the flower and he carries it to her and she's like, that doesn't match my dress. Wait, what? what? And besides that, the Chamberlain's nephew presented me with jewels. And what is a silly rose compared to jewels like these? He said, well, you ungrateful. And she said, you get out. And he took his red rose and he stepped outside of her apartment and he was so angry. As he walked along the street, he took the red rose, he tossed it in the gutter and a cart came by and ran over it and destroyed it. He looked at it and he said, what a silly thing love is. I'll just give my attention to logic and philosophy. And that's what he did. So, Jesus gave his life's blood to save you from your sins. He lived among us and he suffered greatly. He was accused, he was, he, was, he was persecuted, ultimately he was crucified on a cross. And while on that cross, all the while still in love with us, the very ones who put him on that cross. And as he's crying out to the Father and his life is ebbing from him still, he thinks, oh, what last could I do? But finally it is finished and he gives himself into the hands of the Father and it's done. And you know the story, the church is established after Jesus is resurrected from the dead and salvation is made available for every person, not just the Jew, but Gentile as well. And now we move forward, these many hundreds of years later, here we are, that blood still having been offered, that sacrifice still having been made for sinners. And the question is, what is your response to that? Do you think by your action that what you say is, what a silly thing love is? If you know the gospel, you know that Jesus died for you. Jesus bled out so that you could live eternally to, to have what is wonderful and glorious. If you know that and yet you still disdain the gospel, you still fail to respond to its truth. And, and let's say that you did respond. You were baptized. You had your sins washed away. You came up. Oh, heaven is someday. And yet, for whatever reason, you turn back to sin. Is that not also saying what a silly thing Jesus did for me? I'd rather have, well, in the story, it's logic, philosophy. But you fill in the blank. What is it that is more important to you than the sacrifice of Jesus? What is it that's more essential to you than the cross of Jesus Christ? If you are a child of God and you need to come back like Joey has come back today, then let the blood of Jesus continually wash your sins away through confession, 
1 John chapter 1. And maybe it is you're not a child of God today. Today's the day you can say, you know what? The love of Jesus does mean something to me. And I'm, I'm going to take advantage of that blood that was shed. Today, you can have your sins washed away. If this applies to anybody today, there's plenty of room at the front. Why don't you come forward while we stand together and sing? Jesus, you were all to me. Why did
you're in need of the Lord's Supper emblems, if you'd raise your hand, or the ushers will assist you at this time. After that song we just sung and the lesson we just heard, I hope all of our minds are thinking about God, thinking about Christ and that sacrifice that he gave for us, that amazing love, that dedication. He's on the cross because of our shortcomings. So if you'll bow with me, we'll bless the loaf. Father, we are so, so thankful, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, but especially your precious son. Father, at this time as we partake of this loaf, which represents that body that hung on that cross with our sins on his back, separated from you, we are so thankful. In Christ's name, amen. pray. Fathers, we partake of this cup, the fruit of the vine, which represents that precious blood that was shed upon that cross. Father, we pray that we would take it in a way that would be pleasing in your sight, Father, examining our own lives. We are so thankful again, Lord, and we love you. In Christ's name. praise and prepare to give. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for this lesson we've received from thy word. Lord, we pray we'll look to meditate upon what we learn, apply in our lives, these great examples of confession we've seen and forgiveness that was poured out. Lord, we're thankful for the ability we have to go and work and earn a living. Lord, we pray that we'll free, freely give Pray that we'll always look to do it cheerfully unto you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning services here at the Boonville Church of Christ on this beautiful Sunday morning, August the 27th, 2023. We had 309 in services this morning. We only have a few announcements. Uh, all the ladies who are going to TLC are asked to meet in the little chapel immediately following services this morning. So immediately after services, meet in the little chapel. And the Golden Circle is going to go to the pit stop in the morning to have breakfast, and they're going to leave here at 8.30. And that's all the announcements I have. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've learned this morning May we apply it to our lives, and may as a result, we better serve you. Lord, most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, where we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.